Hello, hello my friends, my family, my community, my tribe. Welcome to the Hippie Moms Podcast. Here we are again. I've got such a great podcast for you, my friends. This is so good. Dr. Sally Lamont is a naturopathic doctor and acupuncturist with 30 years of experience in functional medicine. I mean, she is so far beyond her time in this area. Um, She practices, uh, she has a practice in Larkspur, California, and she specializes in a range of chronic health problems, um, but she focuses on digestion, hormonal imbalances, immune challenges, and cognitive decline. And everything, as we know, my friends, is all related to the gut. And Dr. Sally is here to talk to us about intermittent fasting. This is such a huge topic right now. I have to tell you, I've been practicing intermittent fasting for a couple years now, maybe three years. I'm a huge fan. It is so a part of my lifestyle right now. Um, And there's so many benefits, which we're going to go into with Dr. Sally, but I have experienced all of them. I cannot tell you how this simple way of living can completely change your life and you may already be doing it. And there might be some room to integrate and implement a few more steps and a few more things so that you can begin to see the benefits that intermittent fasting has for us. It is so beyond amazing and it's really simple and it doesn't take that much you guys and i'll tell you what i do not miss eating breakfast i still have brunch later i still eat my breakfast foods because i love breakfast foods but it's one less meal that i have to make it's pretty amazing um i am i i just love it so much and i'm so happy to have her on the podcast to talk about this um she is hosting the good food way to power up your immune system Um, She has other digital courses, but this is one particularly we're bringing to the community, uh, specifically because we're moving into the fall seasons. This is where we start to see a little bit more viruses and things start to uh, come up. So if you're just needing kind of a kickstart, this would be such a great program for you. The link is in the show notes. Um, And I cannot wait. Oh, and I want to tell you about her Dr. Sally's Kitchen. It's an educational website offering recipes and food pharmacy guidance for patients and practitioners, which is so cool. So if you just are listening to this podcast and you're like, all right, I'm inspired. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. You know, go to her website, look at a couple recipes, start tracking your, your intermittent fasting time. All right, you're going to learn more in the podcast. So if you're like, I don't even know what to do. Don't worry, I got you. This is such an, a profound practice. And like I said, I'm a huge advocate and I'm so excited to bring this to you. So let's just dive in. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Hippie Moms podcast. So excited to have Dr. Sally Lamont with us. Dr. Sally, welcome. Thank you. So excited you're here. Um, I did a little intro so people have an idea of who you are, but I always love to start like with your story. What, who, you know, how did uh, your past, what happened to bring you where you are now and supporting people and in their lives and their immune system and just helping them be uh, healthier human beings? Mm-hmm. Well, I grew up in the Midwest, in Kansas, in the 50s and 60s, where I think it's safe to say we did not have a clue how to eat. 
And in fact, we ate horrible food and, um, uh, it, you know, it's changed. But at that time, it was Wonder Bread with Spam sandwiches and Ding Dongs and Cheerios and lots and lots of milk. And as a result, I watched my healthy young cousins and aunts and uncles all grow up and struggle with their weight and start developing really evidence of the chronic disease epidemic that we find ourselves in today. I watched, as I said, like healthy people become obese and have diabetes and heart attacks and cancer. And I, I could see that it had something to do with food. So I studied nutrition in, um, in college and uh, got a degree in biology, in human biology, and was very fortunate to find out about naturopathic medical school, a four-year graduate level school that was training doctors to use food as medicine and work with uh, herbs and lifestyle to correct these, these problems that we were beginning to deal with as a nation. Um, I learned to cook. I taught myself to cook back then. And, um, and now I, I, I truly use food as medicine every day in my practice. And it has, it has helped me not fall into the pattern that I watched my entire family succumb to and uh, helped me too to raise an incredibly healthy, uh, she is just turning 25 year old girl. So I'm a, I'm a hippie mom for sure. <laughs> I love it. I knew you would just fit right in. You know, that really, I know that resonates. It resonates with me and it resonates with a lot of our listeners where you see your family, you know, on all these pills and all these health issues and they're just doing the same thing, but they're just taking pills. And I'm curious when you work with your clients, because it's been said that trying to change the way people eat is almost like changing their religion. It's really challenging. Do you feel, do you feel that? Is that, is that really hard for you? And like, how, how do you, how do you help people change their lifestyle? Education, knowledge is power. I think when we understand the degree to which the way we eat influences our health. It, I want it to be a wake-up call before a disease hits. Yes. In my practice, a lot of people come in already with some awareness that you know they maybe they've gotten a diagnosis and they don't want to go on the drugs they've been prescribed because they have a sense like I did back then that the way that they're eating and living is contributing and they're more ready to make a change but you know every now and then someone will come in and they they're they're not willing to and then they're going to have to go out and suffer a little bit more before they are ready to take responsibility for their health i mean we've got this body and we either have the choice of playing with the way we eat as kids and teens into our adult life and watching it degrade our health or if we're lucky in our 20s and 30s we begin to figure out that there's a connection there and we're ready to act on it mm. and i just love how you said that you know that people are ready to take responsibility because that's really what it comes down to is are we willing to make changes and shifts 
to create more balance and homeostasis in this one incredible universe that we live in this body. And yeah. And it, and, and some people aren't willing and, and you're right. It does take for some people to have those, um, those health issues or, you know, to really start sacrificing their quality of life. Um, and, and then to wake up and say, okay, I'm ready to make changes and shifts. Um, go ahead. Well, I like how you mentioned homeostasis, Mm. you know, our, our body is designed to consistently bring itself back into balance, into metabolic balance. And, um, the way we eat and live influences that on a moment to moment basis. Mm. I think what I want to just say is that our body knows how to heal and our job is to properly support it. And Mm. when we do that, then healing occurs. And when we don't, we sabotage it and go back down the rabbit hole. So I just Mm. invite everyone to uh, have confidence in their bodies and they healing capacities and to do everything you can to love and nurture your body, mind, and spirit so that you can realize a a really great level of health into your senior years. Mm, I love that. Why aren't we taught that we have this innate healing capability? Like that's what just drives me mad is that everyone thinks like, oh, my health is outside of me. I need to go to my doctor. The doctor needs to tell me that what I need to do. Like I have no control over my health and it just drives. Why is that? Why haven't, why haven't we been more educated that we are this magnificent, you know, we have this magnificent ability. Uh, It is because that is not how Western medicine views the body Mm -hmm. and that is not how they treat the body. Um, They, uh, and I I don't mean to say they in a bad way. I want to be very clear that conventional medicine is excellent at treating acute illness, uh, crisis care. You know, if you have a heart attack or break your leg, you want that high tech, high intervention that is, it may be risky, but it can save your life. But when you apply those treatment modalities to early stage disease and to chronic disease, then you end up crippling to some degree uh, the homeostatic balance that the body is trying to maintain And uh, that's where naturopathic medicine comes in. Um, Mm. I was trained as a naturopathic doctor. And when, you know, I started in the seventies when it was a very small program that had almost really been obliterated by conventional medicine who didn't really want people thinking that the body could heal itself. It's like, our job is to take care of making that symptom go away with that drug. Mm. And that is not the perspective that naturopathic and now what is called functional medicine uh, works with. You know, our job is to identify all the different factors that influence our health and work to optimize them uh, Mm. so we can uh, stay healthy longer. Yes. And we all deserve that. We all deserve that, you know, energy and vitality and waking up in the morning and feeling good in our own bodies. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of, and everyone listening, they get that, you know, and it does, it takes time. And I'm curious when you work with your clients, like what are some of the basic stuff that you help 
uh, your clients implement from the, from the get-go, like just, just the basics that our bodies need. Can we go there a little bit just so we can kind of start with the foundation? Awesome. Yeah. I want to say one thing as a lead into those kind of foundational, um, practices that maintain our health. And that is that, um, I, do this myself and I want my patients to recognize that symptoms are feedback from your body to your mind and the only language it it can't say, you know, I'm hypoglycemic, it creates sweats and shaking and that dizzy feeling and it makes you feel like I've got to pay attention to what's going on right now because I don't want to faint. Symptoms are feedback from the body to the mind that something needs to change. So instead of just wanting to hit that with a drug to make the symptom go away, we need to listen Mm -hmm. and compassionately address that symptom and, um, and then, and then that takes us right into those foundational pieces of health. And they are, are, are basically four. Um, one, um, the food you eat matters more than, you know, any of us imagine it is beyond the fuel that makes our body run it, uh, you know, it contains even beyond the vitamins and minerals and carbohydrates and proteins and fat food contains what are called phytonutrients, those pigments in colored vegetables and fruits that actually communicate with our genes Mm -hmm. and promote normal optimal function. So we've got to eat well, get that rainbow uh, array of uh, colored fruits and vegetables into our diet to um, optimize gene expression and and our health. So diet, movement is key. Mm. I mean, I, I think that the pandemic has, has has pushed that because we're chained to a chair and a yeah. screen, often mm. so many hours a day. And that's just not the way our ancestors got here. And that's actually where we're going to go next, talking about, you know, this ancestral way of eating. Yes. Uh, it wasn't 24-7 like we do now. So moving our body is key. Our ancestors hunted uh, in the, the safety of the light of day. They worked to get every morsel of food. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. Movement was inherent in our lives. And we've forgotten that we're a bunch of freaking couch potatoes Mm -hmm. sitting around getting sick. And, you know, with like frogs boiling in water, they don't recognize (sighs) until it's kind of too late. So rest is essential. And it's kind of the other side of that coin of, of, um, not moving as much is this idea of we can stay up all night watching TV and 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 eating often, which is very pro- uh, counterproductive. So making sure we get the rest we need, and then creating the um, uh, connection to ourselves, to our friends, to our family, mm-hmm. to a higher power, um, yeah. where we can really find peace and connection. So I think Mm -hmm. those four pieces all have to be in place and it's not hard to do. It's just what nature intended, but it does require some shifts in the way we, we, we live. 
And the payoffs uh, are going to be huge. Well, and, and, and that is, that is exactly it because, you know, we have a lot of moms, moms are busy. They're trying to keep, they're trying to keep all their family alive, all the things. And we kind of get on this hamster wheel yeah. and, and we forget to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Forget that number, you know, we, we, our cup needs to be full in order to pour into everyone else's cup. And you said like, it's not, it's, it's easy. Like it really is simple of what we need to do, right? You said we need to eat well, we need to sleep, move our bodies and connect and connect. And the payoffs are huge, yeah. but, but for so many moms, they're like, when do I have time? And well, I think we just have to flat prioritize it. If you go back yes. about listening to your body, when symptoms are coming up, it's time to say, okay, what do I need to do right now? I always flash mm-hmm. on being on an airplane and the flight attendant tells you to put on your mask first before you secure your mask on your child, yep. because you need that oxygen so that you make proper choices about what to do next in the mm. emergency. That, that's just a great way when you start feeling out of balance, go, okay, I'm going to take one minute or five minutes, do some breathing, get a snack, stretch, collect myself. So, mm. so that you can really be the kind of mom you want to show up as. Yes. And that's what we want to, that's what we want to do. We want to, we want to be amazing people so we can raise amazing people. But if we're not, if we're showing up, we're tired, fatigued, and we're not taking care of ourselves, we can't show up as the best version of ourselves. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, you, um, I'd like to go back. You said talking about our ancestors and one of those things that I know this community is super interested in is intermittent fasting. So, and I know that that's connected to our ancestors, right? Because you said we didn't have access to food 24 seven. And so can we kind of go into that a little bit? And um, I'm just curious on what, can we, let's get to the basis. What is it and, and why is it important and how can we begin to integrate it into our lives? Yeah. Okay. So intermittent fasting is really about when you eat more than what you eat. We, what you eat is another subject, but right. here uh, we're going to focus on the pattern of eating and really with the goal of creating an extended period of time between meals. Mm. You know, we uh, have been taught in this modern, really the last hundred years that we need to have breakfast at seven, lunch at noon, dinner at six, but that often slides into eating through the whole evening. Mm-hmm. And often in the case of young people, uh, as in uh, maybe say the 15 to 25 year old age group, they'll go out and eat pizza and burgers at two in the morning after mm-hmm. partying. Mm-hmm. That is really destructive and, and uh, to to the function of the body out of alignment with the rhythm of nature. Mm. We have these body clocks. Each organ system has an optimal time for its function Mm. and a time when it's more quiescent. An example is our pancreas. That's the organ that secretes digestive enzymes. It also secretes insulin to clear sugar from the bloodstream so we don't develop diabetes. the pancreas has its primary uh, output during the day and they've discovered that at around 8 p.m. the pancreas begins to 
reduce its, in, uh, its output of enzymes and insulin as a signal really in alignment with melanin, melatonin. Uh, as the evening comes on, melatonin is secreted to tell our body to begin to shut down and go into the rest and repair phase. Mm -hmm. So ideally, what we want to do is uh, finish our evening meal early in the six to eight range, which is a, you know, really would want to do that if you had a family, because yeah. if you have younger kids, you don't want to feed them right before they go to bed. Mm -hmm. So try to get our dinner hour early and then um, not eat overnight and create an extended overnight fast and then breakfast, which is really break fast, break our fast. Um, and, uh, you know, if we're talking feeding kids, it's a little bit different because yeah. they've got to go to school. They <laughs> need a protein powered breakfast before they do. They have a little different metabolism than their moms, obviously, but right. let's talk about moms here. Yeah. We're talking hippie moms. Yes. We want to uh, potentially push the breakfast out just a little bit. Now, if you wake up ravenous, eat that protein powered breakfast with your kids. Uh, if you finish dinner by seven and you had breakfast at seven, that is a 12 hour fast. Mm. That's not a hard thing to do. No, it's not. Our, our ancestors, our, our genes, our metabolism are geared to having extended periods of time where we don't eat, not just even overnight. Mm. We may not have eaten sometimes for days. And so we have a metabolism that tends to be thrifty. And when we pack food in all day long, it overwhelms the system and mm. leads to a variety of problems, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, cognitive decline. Um, so there, we'll talk about some of the benefits of intermittent fasting in a little while, but um, this way of eating where we get at least a 12, if not a 14 to 16 mm -hmm. hour overnight fast is some, it's a practice that supports our body's optimal function. And it is truly in alignment with the rhythm of nature. Mm. And we all want to create the optimal versions of us and 12 hours is not that long. No, it, it isn't. And, and it really just takes an awareness yeah. of, okay, let's start just understanding when is the last time I'm eating? And then when am I eating breakfast and then start? And then what, what I did, cause I, I usually go 16, about 16 hours, but in the beginning it's hard, especially when you're used to waking up and eating. So yeah. do you have any tips to kind of help us extend that time from 12? Okay. We got our 12 hours down, right? Yeah. We can do that. We can do that mamas. And then we're like, okay, I want to, I want to extend it a little bit more. Do you have yeah. some tips and, and what breaks? And can we talk about what breaks the fast? Can we have coffee? What are some, like, you know, butter yeah. coffee is a big thing. So I don't ask too many questions, but I'd love to kind of get a foundation. So people know kind of what is good. What isn't what works. Right. So yeah. what works is to wake up and have a big glass of water. Mm -hmm. That is the, we are 72% water, just like the ocean. And mm -hmm. we need water to stimulate what's called the gastrocolic reflex. It hits mm -hmm. our stomach. It tells our colon, large intestine, time to evacuate. So mm -hmm. drink water, drink lemon water. Um, 
what you want to avoid is a lot of no sugar. So if you have a cup of coffee or green tea, make it plain. Don't put uh, any kind of honey or sugar in it because that I would say puts out the digestive fire. So um, you can do black coffee, you can do diluted, even, even if you did like a green juice, but it's very diluted, lemon water, drink that through the morning. You know, I know a popular thing right now is to do the bulletproof coffee where you might put yeah. some um, medium chain triglyceride oil, MCT oil in. That appears to not break the fast, but if you put sugar into that, mm -hmm. or you even put a bunch of milk, like a latte, milk has lactose, milk sugar, and mm -hmm. that tends to uh, break that metabolic state. So mm. extending that morning, but what, uh, fast out until you're hungry. And if you're hungry by nine or 10 o'clock, do that. You've gotten a 14, 15 hour fast in. And that is enough to uh, shift the body's metabolism into a state that it's not quite at ketosis, but it's bordering on ketosis. Mm. And, um, and ketosis is where the benefits of things like um, weight loss come in. And um, I, I actually want to share um, some of the benefits because yes, it, it's pretty incredible. I love um, it. Yes. One of the benefits of uh, intermittent fasting is uh, promoting weight loss, it causes the body to burn off our fat stores for fuel instead of coming from all the food we eat. So there was actually a study done in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Um, it, they took a group of people and they had them eat in a four hour window, say noon to four. Now that's pretty extreme. Yeah. You don't have to go this far. And we'll talk about some of the reasons why you might not want to, but in okay. this group, they, they fasted for 20 hours, they lost 10% of their body weight, and 24% of their fat mass in 10 weeks. Wow. And um, the control group who ate three times a day for those 10 weeks, uh, lost no fat and gained about a 1% a, a of their body fat. So just allowing the body to come to rest is a the gut to come to rest is a really important uh, benefit of intermittent fasting. And um, I want to address how that will benefit the gut. Yeah. Uh, can I ask a quick question? Uh, and I, yes, I want to move into that. So that's fascinating. Um, what now I know a lot of these studies aren't necessarily done with women that are in their, you know, that are in reproductive years. Right. So I was just curious, does that, does it make a difference if you're in, you know, if you're on your cycle or you're not, or how that influences, um, your hormones, for example, cause I know that's a lot of, I've had questions like, is intermittent fasting safe for me? If I'm, you know, if I'm in my reproductive years, the answer would be yes, but okay. not if you are pregnant or breastfeeding. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Absolutely. If you're pregnant, all your energy needs to go to building a healthy baby. Yeah, now totally. that doesn't mean you should be eating ice cream at 10 o'clock at night, which right. some OBs will just say, yeah, put on that weight. It doesn't matter. I think still having a 12 hour fast is perfectly safe. That's just 
that's just logical. That's just the way mm -hmm. we should be eating. But I wouldn't try to go beyond that intentionally because you don't want to lose weight. Right. And, and the same applies to breastfeeding. But as far as uh, just having your menstrual period come along, I've never seen anything in the literature about a contraindication there. Okay. It might even help PMS to just not have the body stuffed with chocolate and totally. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, right. I, don't, I don't think that hormones would, uh, I mean, obviously they're going to play some role, but that role has not been teased out. And, and I think partly because it isn't significant and, it, and it's not going to make or break your ability to intermittent fast safely. Okay. I really appreciate that feedback. Um, so what are, what are the benefits of intermittent fasting and what, you know, just to give us fuel yeah. to really, really start to integrate and implement this in our lives. Yeah. So one of the first is to, um, it, it gives the gut a break. You know, our digestive tract is designed to be empty a good portion of the time. Mm -hmm. And when it is, is uh, when a whole host of benefits kick in. And I'm actually just going to tick through those benefits and, th and then I want to go back to the gut. Perfect. So we talked about losing weight, mm -hmm. at, at promoting weight loss, but intermittent fasting here helps to lower markers of inflammation. Mm -hmm. And that's an important thing because we know that inflammation fuels heart disease, diabetes, cancer, cognitive decline. So lowering um, inflammation and in those blood markers, it helps to balance blood sugar and insulin and normalize that thing called A1C that is your three month marker of how high your blood sugar's been. So it's, it's really good for the metabolism in that sense. One of the things that it does is it stimulates this thing called autophagy. It's, it's, it, it means self-eating. It actually uh, helps the immune system to clear damaged cells. You know, all of our cells have, have a life, life cycle and they need to be taken out and um, new cells, what are called stem cells, then are regenerated. Mm -hmm. And that's where we see a lot of the uh, reduction in the risk of chronic disease and an increase in longevity. Um, uh, it improves mitochondrial function. That's the energy uh, yes. powerhouses of the cell. Um, and it's really, really helpful for people suffering brain fog and cognitive decline. Lots mm. of studies have shown its, its usefulness there. But I know you and I are both really into food as medicine and yeah. gut healing. And that's where I think there's some really important benefits to intermittent fasting that aren't talked about much. And that's this, when our gut is at rest, this unique neuromuscular wave takes place in the intestinal tract from our, our esophagus all the way down. So just think in a stadium, football stadium, when the wave happens, everybody stands up, sits down, and you can watch it go through the whole arena. Mm -hmm. That kind of a wave is happening in our digestive tract every night while we sleep. Every 90 minutes, every hour and a half, the gut does the wave. And that keeps everything moving down and out. Mm -hmm. So obviously that's going to help digestion. That's going to help 
constipation, and mm -hmm. it's going to help something called SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Mm -hmm. That's when the bacteria that should be living down in the final three feet of our intestinal tract, the gut microbiome, it's supposed to be down there. It is not supposed to be moving up into the 15, 20 feet of small intestine. And when those bacteria get up there, they start to consume the food we've just eaten before we, as it's being digested, and mm -hmm. it can lead to bloating and gas and cramping and either constipation or diarrhea. And we're messing this mo migrating motor complex up all the time by eating. That stops the wave. Mm. So if we can take that period of 12 hours, then we're going to be allowing the system to clear itself, uh, not burden the gut and, and keep it retaining food that it shouldn't. I mean, what's what we are eliminating needs to be eliminated, not retained in our gut for days. I mean, mm. we both know, we both have girlfriends yeah. who have a bowel movement once a week. Yeah. Which would just be so unbelievably oh. uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. Fasting is a good way to support along with having good quality vegetables and fruits and enough fiber to keep everything moving down and out. Um, but, it, but it really is great at um, helping to relieve heartburn and belching and constipation, diarrhea, the whole mess. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is so interesting that so many of these symptoms have just become normal. Right. 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 And they're not, that's again, symptoms. Those are the messages from your body telling you this isn't working. We need to play with some other ideas here. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, this, that the wave that the gut does, that's different than peristalsis, just the moving of food through the gut, the mm -hmm. little squeezing that, that, that needs to happen too. But when we give our gut a break, we, uh, we, we move the metabolism to a whole new level. And that's where we see these broad benefits across mm. organ systems. Mm. Okay. I love it. So I have a question. Okay. What is the most ideal like time frame? But when you eat, when you last eat to when you go to bed, because also, isn't it true that our metabolism slows down? Like once we start going into rest and repair, it's, yes. it, you know, digestion slows down. So like, ideally how, uh, far before, or how much time before bedtime, before we go to sleep, should we eat? How much time should we give our body to digest food? A minimum of three hours. Mm. That is what has been proven to be okay. the, at least at this point, the optimal time. Now, many people, okay. if you, if you decide, I think as, especially as people age, think about people in their seventies and eighties, they may decide to have dinner at five o'clock. That's right. perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, but if the, the challenge is when we eat late, the food is still in our esophagus, in our stomach. It should get down into the stomach very quickly, but a lot yeah. of people have heartburn. Mm -hmm. And that is reflux of food back in from the stomach into the esophagus. And that keeps people up all night long, mm -hmm. young and old. I mean, they're, they're prescribing uh, what are called PPIs, these drugs for heartburn mm -hmm. to kids 
because kids are going to bed with full bellies. So if you can allow three hours, that's time for the food to leave the stomach, get down into, and, and sometimes even through the small intestine. So you get much more complete digestion and you're not keeping your organ systems, uh, the gut of the gut up all night yes. working to digest food when that digestion should have occurred earlier. Instead, the body goes into a regenerative phase mm. at night and repairs the organs, uh, the organs of elimination. I always think it's fascinating. To, uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced, but waking up, like if I don't weigh myself very often anymore, but I, you know, played around with it. So if you weigh yourself before you go to bed, you're always like, oh my God, this is terrible. You wake up the next morning and you're a couple, three pounds lighter. It's, it's it, the it's crazy. It is. And that is the system going to work to detoxify, to mm. create um, the system being able to eliminate everything that needed to go and be ready for um, the next day's influx of food. And then you can just extend it from there, but you're going to sleep better, have less brain fog and, and truly better digestion and metabolism. If you allow at least three hours between your last bite of food and when you recline to go to bed. Okay. That is, oh, I mean, that is just, this is so amazing because there's so many benefits and it's so doable that 12 hours. I mean, really, if that's all you could, that's all where you need to start. And then you can start playing with extending it because that's what I started to do is because I would just wake up, I'd be hungry and I would eat. And then I just started to play with it. And I'm curious, you know, I love to move in the morning when I'm fasting. Do you exercise in the morning as well? You know, I am a more of a a four o'clock in the afternoon Mm, exerciser. Yeah. Okay. Many people who loved, I mean, I get up and I walk outside every morning, so it's not Mm. like I'm not exercising, but if I'm going to do a hike, I want to do it after I have work, but Mm. getting up in the morning, as soon as we wake up, especially during these winter months and going to a window and Mm. letting that sunlight shine on your body. Mm -hmm. Uh, It tells the body to stop making melatonin, start making cortisol. That's happening whether we go to a window or not. Mm -hmm. Our body is picking up those first rays of light. And just like it told it at night to get ready for sleep, it's saying the morning has come and it's time to get out there. And in the old days, get out there and start finding food. Yeah but we might not have eaten for hours because we had right. to catch and get it and, you know, gather and hunt for it. So yeah. getting up though and getting morning light okay. and moving your body is an excellent practice. And that too makes it a lot easier to wait an hour or two to eat, and then you're, you're really hungry. It <laughs> does. It makes, it makes breakfast and coffee so much better. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, you know, when you said with, uh, with getting the light, you know, and just getting outside, cause that's a lot of things people just kind of stay in, they get on their computers or they get all this unnatural light. So the light is, it's communicating to our body. It is. Yeah. It's, it's going straight to our pineal gland deep in the brain and, and, um, Uh, alters it, especially the blue white lights that um, are the LED lights. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to um, have your phone set up to go into that evening mode, to use a Kindle with a black uh, background, to not flip on an LED light in the bathroom when you go to 
uh, uh, get up in the middle of the night because yeah. that blue LED light is what says morning has come. And at night, it needs to be in the golder hues. So wearing gold glasses mm -hmm. um, while you're on the computer, the watching TV will help uh, protect your pineal gland from the light that's going to confuse it and the body as a whole. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. Thank you for that. Okay. Yeah. So I want to transition just a little bit uh, while we have just a little bit more time and I, because we love food so much, let's talk a little bit about food and I'd love to talk about, okay, we're ready to break our fast and we're starting the day with the meal. You said protein packed breakfast. What, what, what do you recommend? What are some ideas for moms to eat in the morning to, because that really sets the stage for the rest of the day, doesn't it? It does. It okay. does. So I think it's important to build a clean meal mm -hmm. and a balanced plate. And to me, that looks like having over the course of the day, a minimum of five to seven servings of vegetables and fruit. Mm -hmm. So one option that's really popular right now, especially for busy women on the go and, and maybe who want to exercise is to do a smoothie. So mm -hmm. you can pack in a lot of fruits and veggies and, um, and some protein powder or mm -hmm. nut butters. Um, and that works for a lot of people that can keep people going for a couple, three hours. Others, and I'm one of this group, I'm an O blood type, the traditional hunter gatherer. Mm -hmm. I really benefit by having, I'm an egg person. I, I want those, uh, those nuggets of, uh, clean amino acids from protein to come in and get me going. But um, I have, for example, this morning, I had a couple of poached eggs on a bed of arugula with mm -hmm. some avocado and some uh, little cherry tomatoes and a little drizzle of olive oil. Mm -hmm. And that's a great way to, it, that will allow me to, you know, start seeing patients at 9am and make it till 1230 when I can eat lunch. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm more in the 12 to 13 hour fasting range, but I've maintained my ideal weight for people who need to burn off some of that fat. They'll want to extend that breakfast out. But I still like saying by 11 o'clock, you need to be having a, a brunch. And so it shouldn't yeah. just be a smoothie and then not eat again until yeah. six. Right. That is insufficient. Okay. So I still want to see, you know, ideally eating between 12 and one and between, you know, five to seven, six to seven, uh, so that you get enough food in you to provide all of your nutritional needs right. and yeah. not into using intermittent fasting as a way to starve yourself. Right. That truly does not work. That is not the intention. Yeah. The idea here is to pick a plan that works for you, yes. your particular body type. And that could be um, a 12 hour fast. It could be a 14 hour fast. That's not hard at all. That's mm -hmm. finishing dinner by seven and eating at night and have breakfast at nine. It could be, you know, all the way up to, a, a, I think it, it's fairly extreme, but I know some people who very successfully have uh, burned off quite a lot of, of weight, just eating in a four hour window, like mm -hmm. I cited that study. Um, there are more extreme practices, uh, one meal a day where people eat just in a 
couple of hours, but they eat tremendous amount of food. Mm. That might work for some yeah. people, but it's not going to work for most people. Yeah. I think it's really important to keep our blood sugar balanced. We don't need hangry moms. No, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, when you're starving and you're ravenous, like you're not in a good mood and right. You want to keep the blood sugar balanced. And I love what you said. It's like, it's bio-individual. It truly is what works for you. We know that that 12 hour, 12 hours at night between dinner and breakfast is that's what we need to go for. And then we just play with extending it a little bit. And I just want to add, you know, just my experience since I've been intermittent fasting, I've maintained my ideal weight. Like I feel like my body's like, okay, we're home. Here we go. And I, this, and this is such a, not really, I mean, it's kind of a very trendy topic intermittent fasting, but so many women don't get it. Yeah. And that's why I'm so grateful that you're here to offer this wisdom and this kind of roadmap so that we can all start kind of playing with this practice because it, it's so important and it's just not really talked about. It's, it's like our doctors aren't telling us this. No, no, because they, they, you know, the sad truth back to one of your original questions is nutrition is not taught in medical school mm. to any degree. There's a couple of hours here and there, but it has long been the, kind of they they thought of it as the domain of the home economist, the nutritionist over in that dietetics department where they're mm-hmm. just trying to uh, get calories in people. I mean, if you right. eat in hospital food, it is. I, I, I can't even, I can't, I can't believe that they feed people that are sick, that kind of food. Anyway, yeah, right. it just, <sighs> it, it, it displays the disconnect yes. between our understanding of nutritional biochemistry mm-hmm. and it's a on the metabolism as a whole. So you're right, doctors don't teach about it. Um, I want to uh, make sure that I yes. mention another reason to be cautious with intermittent fasting. We talked okay. about pregnancy and breastfeeding, but if, um, if you have a history of an eating disorder, mm-hmm. bulimia, or an- a real full-on anorexia, you really want to approach, approach this with caution. This mm-hmm. is and reiterate, not about starving yourself. Mm-mm. It's really about nurturing yourself with the highest quality food you can in the right window of eating. And that mm-hmm. varies from person to person across yeah. the board. What does not work is eating at night. And yes. um, so that three hours at night and however much you want to push it out in the morning to give yourself that extra opportunity to, um, you know, cleanse mm-hmm. is a, uh, your gut and, and your immune system. Um, let those stem cells get regenerated. Um, that's, that's what we're going for. Really clean, healthy food, protein, complex carbohydrates full of fiber and color mm-hmm. and, um, and high quality fats. Uh, yes. Fat seems to less throw off um, intermittent fasting, which is why you can put um, some uh, oil into your coffee and Mm. and still maintain a state of ketosis. So Mm. good fats, not bad fats. Right. Yes. And and so I I know we're kind of running out of time. This is so good. But how do so how can 
our people find you and how and what and I know you have a program. So can you kind of tell us a little bit about what you have and how you offer your guidance and just on a on a bigger scale for people? So people are like, I need more help. And Dr. Sally's my lady. Where how do they help? How do they find you? So um, I have a website. Uh, So I have a practice, but I can only see those patients who are in California. I do it by Zoom. And there's a link on Dr. Sally's Kitchen, my website, where you can find my practice. Mm -hmm. But because I love teaching, and even in the context of an office visit, there is so much more to talk about in the way that food is medicine that I created, Dr. Sally's Kitchen. That's Mm -hmm. Dr. Sally's Kitchen, all one long URL. Okay. Sally'sKitchen.com. And um, I have a lot of recipes. I do a weekly or every other week blog post on some health topic. There's actually a uh, link to a webinar I did on intermittent fasting on my homepage at Dr. Sally's Kitchen. And um, you can, if you come and visit me there, please subscribe. And as you do, you'll get access to this cool little thing I put together. It's a one page mini course and it's an electronic PDF that allows you to listen to a podcast I did on healthy eating hacks. Uh, Watch a a little sample of a cooking video where I'm demonstrating some of the nutritional benefits of beets. I have Mm. my healthy eating checklist and it, it gives you the opportunity to explore one of the online courses that I'm doing right now called The Good Food Way to power up your immune system. Mm. Even though it looks like COVID is declining here in um, February of 22, uh, it's not over and there will always be other viruses and you all have kids and they bring home one of them. The way we eat influences our immune response more than you can imagine. And so this course walks you through some of the basics of your immune system, looks at all the foods that support immune health, Mm. the supplements, and a lot of the lifestyle practices that can not only keep you, but your whole family healthy. Oh, I love it. You know, it's, we just, we need the support because many of us were not raised with this information and this knowledge. And if we want to raise a healthy next generation, our children, which is what we all want, then we have to be those examples. And so I'm so grateful for these resources. Dr. Sally, I'm going to make sure that I put these link in the show notes. So my friends, you can just go down below, uh, click the link and you can uh, be directed to Dr. Sally's kitchen and get all the information that you need. Dr. Sally, thank you so much for coming on the Hippie Moms podcast. It is my pleasure. I'm I'm so delighted to be with you and your group this Mm -hmm. morning and and I just really know that we are all on the same page. Yes, we are. And we're here to support each other and to guide each other. And we are, we're so connected. And it, it's really just about mamas taking those small steps. Maybe it's just visiting Dr. Sally's Kitchens, her website. You know, it's just waking up and drinking water, making sure you have those 12 hours. Just do one thing and be consistent. And then you can take on the next because we know how overwhelmed we can be but we just need to take deep breaths and focus on our health so we can raise our healthy children. So awesome. Okay. Well, thank you all. And we will catch you on the next Hippie Moms podcast. Bye.